0: Bishop Mark Morgan here from San Francisco, California, and he's traveled some distance now. We're very grateful, and there is a need today for the apostolic voice. We have many preachers and some teachers, and uh, there are a plethora of ministries available But we need to hear the apostolic voice from an apostle. We need someone that has authority. And Bishop Mark Morgan is that someone. We're very glad. And I cannot tell you how honored I am. And I know that all of New Life shares in this with me. That we're so honored and glad. And we're excited about him being here. Amen. Amen. So, Bishop, I just want you to come and take your liberty, and whatever you feel in the Lord, I want you to do that. And let's welcome him one more time. Would you do that? Thank you so much.
1: Well, let's continue to clap and magnify the Lord. Praise God. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I'm going to minister from down here tonight. Is that all right? Now, I have to get close to what I'm shooting at. Amen. yeah." I guess one the sound man got mad at me. Thought I was going to shoot him or something. I don't know. Amen. But uh, it's an honor to be here, and uh, I've known your pastor's family for a long, long time. Amen. His mom and dad were workers at camps when I was just a young man, and uh, Missouri, and so, uh, so we kind of grew up. Maybe more connected with his mom and dad and uh, but I will say that God has certainly blessed you with the leadership that he's blessed you with, and it's a gift to this body amen and but i'll be honest with you, I almost hate people like your pastor <laughs> they're so talented, I mean. He's a good preacher, he's a good teacher, he's a good administrator, he's, I mean, on and on, and he can sing. I, I don't get it. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God why. Some people got all the talent, amen. Trust me, you don't want me singing, I can promise you that, amen. But it is an honor. Of course, to Brother and Sister Shock also, and uh, I certainly love and appreciate them very much. And uh, thankful for their friendship and relationship. And Shach and I worked on several things together, and it's always a delight. And so, man, it's a good crowd for Saturday night. Amen. I'm just glad to be in a building where the lights are up. Well, I'm starting on the right foot, I can tell you that right now. Amen. All right, let's... Uh, are you ready? Now, I'm trying to get some of you to relax a little bit because I know you're trying to figure me out. And uh, I've already figured some of you out. So, uh, But I, I want to connect with you here. One of the things that I think is important for us to understand is that... Uh, God has given, according to the Apostle Paul God has given what I call ascension gifts I think there's been a little confusion about apostles and prophets in the church and uh, years ago I pastored an area of the country where they were very anti-apostles and prophets that they didn't exist they existed in the scripture they existed from the Old Testament or the New Testament foundational apostles and so so one of the men asked me, so you believe that, you know, apostles can write scriptures and prophets? I said, I don't know anybody who believes that. And so I think that there's been a little confusion on what I would call foundational apostles and prophets. And then what Paul said, uh, ascension gifts. These gifts were not given until after he ascended. And so he lists these five different dynamics, ministries, uh, and he calls them gifts. God has given these as gifts to the body. Uh, <clears throat> I think we need to realize that FIFO ministry is a gift to the body, but the body is not a gift to fivefold ministry. And so, it's our responsibility and obligation to be that gift to you, and to help get you perfected and to get you ready. And so that's what I believe Five Fold Ministries for, for the edifying of the body. And so <clears throat> I want to be a, a gift to you here. And uh, I, I, I'm at a little disadvantage right now because I've got about, uh, I don't know, weeks and months of study in particular areas. And. I feel to go into some of that here, but I'm not quite sure the intro, and so if I stumble around here a little bit, just, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm trying to find out exactly where I'm supposed to be at, and so, is that fair enough, and uh, God will help us, amen, let's, uh, let's stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. And I ask if I could stay down here and so you graciously accepted that. So uh, hopefully it won't mess the cameras up because I don't want anybody get in front of me on the camera. I want to be. <laughs> Amen. Let's uh, let's read this verse together. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings that publisheth peace. Verse 8. That bringeth good tidings of joy. Or of, of, of good tidings good, and that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, what does it say? Thy God reigneth. The watchman shall lift up the voice, and with the voice together shall they sing, for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord shall bring again Zion. I'm going to probably stay in the subject and in the perimeters of talking to you about God's kingdom. And so I couldn't think of a better better verse that encompasses all of that. Ever so often the people of God need to be reminded that our God reigns. I don't care what situation you're in, I don't care what circumstance, I don't care what's going on, our God reigns. And that's a revelation that the church needs in the end time. The Democrats don't reign, the Republicans don't reign. Socialism doesn't reign, communism doesn't reign, democracies, our God reigns, amen? Lord, I love you. Thank you for your word, the eternal word. Thank you for what you're going to do in this place. I ask that you would help me to get in the flow with this congregation, to be a blessing, and I pray that you would confirm your word. Give me the wisdom, the understanding to speak it. That my mind be clear, my spirit clear. I ask it in the name of Jesus. I take authority in this service in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. All right, God bless you. You can be seated and uh, we'll kind of launch from here. Amen. Uh, Thank God for COVID. That's a good way to start. Thank God for COVID. I call it the gift that keeps on giving. And, uh, But in one way, I kind of mean that. Uh, you know, God did not wake up one day and somebody said, have you watched the news? There's, there's a pandemic breaking out down there. And, uh, and then God broke into a sweat. What am I going to do? Uh, I think we all know better than that. And so, sometimes we fail to realize uh, what all can be a part of God's army. The Bible talks and calls him the Lord of hosts. Most people would say the Lord of hosts is just about angels and all that, but man, it encompasses so much more. Not only is he the Lord of hosts involving angels, but he's also Lord of hosts that deals with creation. It, I mean, all the way down to an atom. And so God can use whatever he needs to use as a part of his army. God can use insects as a part of his army. He said to them, my cankerworm, my caterpillar, my pommel worm, my great army that I sent among you. Because sometimes God has to teach the world and he also has to teach his people and to remind them. And so he has his own unique way of doing so. Now, I regret for any person that you're connected to, if so, that it's lost their life to COVID. I'm not making light of it. But COVID revealed a lot of things to us. It showed us that we had a strong relationship with church. But we didn't have a strong relationship with Jesus. Hmm. I could stop right there. That it, it showed us a lot of things, showed us the weaknesses of our homes, and uh, you know, I think that God intended. You know, he he put prophet one time in a, in California. It was called you know shelter in place. I don't know what you called it here in Indiana we called it shelter in place and uh, which uh, lasted for a long, 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 long time and so but God had his own shelter in place for a guy by the name of Elijah and God didn't appear to him in the wind, the earthquake and the fire but he did speak to him through a still small voice, revealed himself to him in a still small voice. I think that we got so used to the church service. But the wind, the earthquake, and the fire, that we, we just expected that. And now it's not here, and it's not, you know. Here's the thing. I'm at a little disadvantage again because we went from March to March without being able to have church. and So a solid year, we were out of our buildings. Well, there's two or three weekends during that year we were allowed to go in, and then they shut us back down. And so a lot of people didn't realize it because they're so used to God speaking to them that way. That they missed it, but sometimes God just wants to kind of isolate you and put you over here to where he can speak through that still small voice to you. And you also have to understand that the wind, earthquake, and fire and the cave that he was in, that's the same cleft in the rock that Moses was hit in when God revealed his glory to him and began to give him the law and the way that he manifested himself then was through the wind, the earthquake, and the fire. So God's telling the prophet, this is not how I'm going to speak. This is what I did to establish the law. But this is about prophets, and this is about me speaking. I'm going to give you direction. I'm going to give you insight into the next step, the next move. And he did. It was Elijah's responsibility to leave the cave, going on a a double portion generation, and to bring direction to them and to speak to them. And so I don't think that God intended for us to come out of COVID or our shelter in place or our cave of isolation without some kind of a plan, without some kind of direction, without something that God is revealing to us and giving us for this next move or this next place that the church is supposed to be going to. Now, this is what I got out of it, and you may disagree. But I began to look at it and I realized again that a lot of our people had a great understanding of the culture that we call church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. And so we got that, we understand that, everything we do is built around church, church service and I'm for it. So don't leave here and I hope they don't say you know Brother Morgan don't believe in assembling together. Well, that'd be in violation of the scripture. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. So yes, we do believe in the assembly. It's a part of being who we are. It's scriptural. But I think that God was attempting to show us and to move us from our understanding of church and its culture to trying to get us to see more about the kingdom and uh, you know I've been asked the question what do you think the difference is between the church and the kingdom and boy you could get into a lot of theological stuff there but the fact is is the church is a little more narrow in its scope and it's also it had a beginning the kingdom is everlasting so the kingdom I believe preceded the church it exceeds the church and so that's why our understanding Of God's kingdom is especially important in the hour that we live in right now amen again I thank God for the church I thank God for our culture I thank God for the worship that was here tonight and this gathering together so but I think that God is attempting to try to get us to see uh, the kingdom and to really get a good comprehension what the kingdom is about amen and so here we are here we are it's amazing that Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And then the next verse or two verses later, he says, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. And so he talks about church and then he talks about kingdom. And so I want us to examine the kingdom here tonight. And I want to remind you, as the text said, our God reigns. Now, when you read that verse of Scripture, if you're not careful, you'll just kind of skim over what's really going on. Uh, Jerusalem has already met tremendous devastation. There's a lot of rubble. There's a lot of things happening when Isaiah the prophet records this. And so uh, there were those that remained there, and they were down, downcast. I mean, if you could imagine the, the, the horrible devastation that uh, Babylon brought and the destruction. Uh, I I personally believe that when he says to one of the prophets, this great mountain that is before you, I'm gonna make it a plain. I think that he was talking about the mountain of rubble. Uh, You're only seeing the rubble. You're only seeing the devastation. But just trust me, I'm gonna use that rubble to rebuild this city. And when I get through, you won't see a mountain of rubble. You'll see exactly what I want you to see. And so this is the devastation. Israel's in trouble. And, uh, you know, I mean, everywhere you look, there's just devastation. And so now the prophet Isaiah gets into this text where he says, uh, you know, uh, look, look, look over to the hills. There's something coming. And uh, he's a messenger. And he's coming swiftly. And how beautiful are the feet of those that bring good tidings. Uh, Of course, I think that Isaiah was seeing Christ as the greatest messenger that was coming. But the deal is, he's seen this messenger coming and then he talked about he would proclaim, he would bring peace, he would bring salvation, this messenger that was coming. And then he talks about uh, seeing and all. And if you get into this, and I don't have time to get into too much of this point right here. What he's telling them is, is it doesn't matter how bad it looks right now, in the nation. You have to remember that your God reigns. And I think that we, again, need to be reminded, it doesn't matter how bad things look as far as nations are concerned, the church has to be reminded that we are a part of a kingdom. And in that kingdom, our God reigns. I hope I can get you to believe that here tonight. Our God reigns. Amen. Uh, Sometimes we get so mesmerized by the enemy. We get so overtaken by situations and circumstances. You know, as a kid growing up in Pentecost, we used to have something called watch night services. Anybody ever been in a watch night service? Well, as a kid in southeast Missouri, them watch night services were intended to scare the devil out of you. I mean, man, they get to preaching and it's a new year and the Antichrist is probably gonna come on the horizon. I mean, we've had more antichrists. Kissinger was the Antichrist. Social Security was the mark of the beast. Gorbachev was Antichrist. John F. Kennedy was an Antichrist. I mean, on and on it goes, and I mean, man, they just scare the devil out of you, you know. And and man, this thing's coming, and I mean, the Antichrist and this horrible world situation. I know where I'm going now, so hang on. And so, you know, this, dis, I mean, it's going to be bad. And so we kind of developed this concept about the future and about what you would call the tribulation, the Antichrist, and how powerful the Antichrist really is. Now, I'm not going to minimize it because when Daniel gives descriptions, To all these other empires, he gives animal descriptions. But when he gets to this uh, Antichrist system, he just says it's horrible, it's terrible, It, it, it devours, it stomps. I mean, it's bad. And so that's kind of the way that we see it. I will tell you tonight that there is already in the world a spirit of Antichrist. It's very strong, it's very alive, but it's not something that's new. When John wrote his epistle, he talked about the spirit of the Antichrist doth already work. I think I'm going to get into some of this stuff here. The spirit of the Antichrist doth already work. And uh, so you've got it already active and you see these things. Now, we can get so overtaken by what's happening. Now, I will tell you that I pastor in a city that I think it's already the epitome of the Antichrist and things that are coming. We battle it every time we come to church, every time we have service. I think we battle the Spirit. But we're not alone. It's rampant right now. It's going through the world right now. I personally believe that you're watching some of the formation for this kingdom that's going to come. Now, if you look at all this, you will see that Daniel sees this image. He, he tells the Nebuchadnezzar, this is the image. And so, uh, you know, I should look at my notes right now, but I'm not. Uh, It's got this uh, head of gold, and it's Babylon, and then it's the Medes and the Persians, and then it's Greece, and then it's the Roman Empire, and so it comes down. Now, the deal is, when once you get past the Roman Empire, you get down to the feet of it. It's uh, a mixture of iron and clay, uh, meaning that it's a part of the old Roman Empire, but it's going to be mixed with clay. It's going to be mixed with nations that are not as strong. They're more brittle. That's where you get the term 10 told kingdom. Most people believe that in the end time, there'll be ten major kingdoms. And I said this today at the table. I said, I'm not so much worried about the Soviet Union as I am the EU. You need to keep your eye on the European Union because this is where I think a lot of things are going to come out of. Amen. I'm not here to get into eschatology. Y'all can figure all that stuff out. Amen. But the deal is, you can see these kingdoms and you understand... Uh, each one of those brought at their particular time something called a king of kings. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar was considered king of kings. Uh, Darius Darius and then was considered king of kings. In other words, they were the predominant nation of the world at that time. They conquered and subdued other nations. Once they did that, they left kings and they left peoples there. They just become king of kings. You go ahead and rule. We're just going to tax you. You send us the taxation. You do what we tell you to do. And everything will be fine. And so you watch these kings and kingdoms. And then you get down to what I call the fifth kingdom, which is the kingdom of the Antichrist. Now, a lot of us, we can only focus on the feet of it. We only see the power of the Antichrist. But uh, John or Daniel actually seeing another kingdom now we overlook this kingdom sometimes and we don't really recognize what it is. But Daniel when he's looking at that image, he sees it. And then out of his peripheral view, he turns and he sees this rock that was cut out of the mountains but not with hands. He sees it hurling toward the feet of that statue which represents the, the times of the Gentiles. It represents every age, every kingdom that has stood defiant against your God. That statue represents that. But he's seen that rock hit the feet of that statue, and when it did, it collapses. And then that little rock, not Arkansas, but that little rock, begins to grow and becomes a great mountain. Because Jesus, when he talked about his kingdom... He said it starts out like a mustard seed, but it grows. He's always talking about how the kingdom starts maybe small in structure. But the power of it is, of the increase in its government, there shall be no end. Once the kingdom begins to manifest, it is a growing something. Praise God. Uh, it, 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 it increases. And so that's why I think it's important for us to understand in this hour the power of God's kingdom. You can't look at the world situation and get, I mean, intoxicated on that. You need to understand that the kingdom of God, well, where's it at? What's happening? Well, just trust me, it's active and it's well, and it's going to increase. It is. I'm trying to get through this part of it real quick. Amen. So Daniel sees it coming. He sees it hit the feet of that, and it falls. This is what I call the power of the sixth kingdom. The church has got to turn its attention to the sixth kingdom, that is, the kingdom of our God and his Christ. We've got to get a revelation of how powerful the kingdom of God really is, amen. That's why our text tonight is, it doesn't matter what's happening in the nation. I know I'm repeating myself, but our God reigns. I want you to know it doesn't matter what's happening in the world tonight, and wars and rumors of wars we stand with this blessed assurance our god reigns other king of kings have fallen and there's another one coming oh yeah he's on the horizon he's coming but i like i like revelation chapter 19. john says i seen him coming back he had a white horse and he had a vesture dipped in blood and he had a name written which is called the word of god and out of his mouth, here comes that stone, and out of his mouth came a sword, and it devoured the Antichrist in his system, and everything fell. And after that, it's all about he alone is worthy. He is the true King of kings, and he is the true Lord of lords. That's why I want to serve him. Oh, Hallelujah! Praise God. Turn to somebody next to you and tell them with conviction, your God reigns. I don't care what's going on in your life. I don't care for sickness, disease, finances, depression, fear, it doesn't matter. You need to be reminded here tonight, your God reigns. Fear doesn't reign. Economical crisis doesn't reign. World rulers don't reign. Your God reigns. I'm going to keep saying it till I convince some of you. Your God reigns. Woo. Hallelujah. I could, I could talk a lot about kingdom and keep just going down that path, but I'm, I'm trying to get to where I really need to go. You can't have a kingdom without a king. Can't have it. Let me, let me just bump something else before I get over here in this other deal. It's, this intrigues me. Daniel, he's praying, and this angel finally gets to him and said, Look, I'd have been here a little earlier, but the uh, the prince of uh, Persia withstood me. And when he gets ready to leave, he said, Now, nah, I'm, I'm headed back to the fight because the prince of Greece is coming. And, boy, we're getting ready to have a good one. And so I'm going back to it. It's amazing to me that he didn't say anything about the prince of Babylon. But the fact is, is Babylon has already fallen when Daniel's praying this prayer and the angel comes to him. You now have the Medes and the Persians, the Persians, as the world empire. Then it dawned on me that princes, I want you to hear this, princes are the spirit of the kingdom. I want to say it again. Princes are the spirit of the kingdom. Princes operate until there is a physical manifestation of a king. So I believe that there was a prince of Persia. I believe there was a prince of Greece. I believe there was a prince of Rome, Caesar. I believe there'll be a prince. The Bible talks about the Antichrist being a prince. That's not the last prince that's mentioned in the scripture. He's called the Prince of Peace. And Isaiah said he would publish peace. And he's going to operate as the Prince of Peace until there is a physical manifestation. I'm talking about some crazy stuff here right now. He's going to operate as the Prince of Peace until he returns. I was looking at it today and really kind of wrapped up in the trust me. I'm just kind of bumping stuff. You know, Jesus ascends from the Mount of Olivet. He's going to descend there. This is where Ezekiel sees the glory of God ascending. He said, I watched it come off the mercy seat. I watched it go to the door of the temple. I watched it go into the city. I watched it go to the Eastern Gate. I watched it go to the Mount of Olives, the Mount of Olivet. And then he said, I watched it ascend. Whew. If you follow the life of Jesus Christ, he visited all of those areas within the last few days of his life. Ezekiel is seeing the gradual goodbye of God in his glory from Israel. Somebody said, well, he wasn't in the temple. Well, how in the world do you think the veil was rent? He touched every one of those places and he ascends from the Mount of Olives, the Mount of Olivet. But he told them, the men did, and white said, he's going to return just like you've seen him coming. Matter of fact, when his foot hits this place again, this mount is going to split. Amen. Well, <laughs> some of you are looking at me. Where did you get this guy? I want you to see how majestic and how powerful this really is when he comes back he won't come back as the prince of peace but he comes back as the king of Salem or you would say the king of Jerusalem he's going to rule and reign and you got all that stuff everybody still good? somebody said I hope you found that on ramp here, here, here's where I want to go Let's talk about God's throne. All right, let's talk about God's throne. Now, here's where I'm going to kind of maybe lose some of you. Uh, dominion, domain, king's domain. That's what it actually means. King's domain, kingdom, king's domain. This is where a king rules. So we start talking about the kingdom of God, we're talking about where God rules. And. Uh, So you you, you watch through the Scripture. There's a lot of reference to not only God's kingdom. Now, if you think I'm off tonight, I think Jesus referred to the kingdom 117 times, and he referred to the church two times. This kingdom deal is much bigger than what we realize. And so you talk about this throne. Now, this is where I want to go. Is uh, he... uh, Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, starts talking about this being called Lucifer. And he was the anointed cherub that covered. That's what I really want to focus on. Then it talks about a lot of other stuff. I will ascend. Now, I want you to understand that there's some confusion about, is this okay for Saturday night? Okay. There's a lot of confusion about in those verses, especially Ezekiel. Is he talking about the king of Tyre and Sidon or is he talking about Lucifer? You have to remember that when God cursed him, he said on your belly you go, but there's going to be the seed of the woman that's going to come and he's going to crush your head. Now, Satan was not sure who that was. This is one of the main reasons I can't buy into the doctrine of the Trinity. If Jesus was the eternal son of God, If he was, then I want to ask you, why in the world didn't Satan recognize him in the wilderness or in the temptation? Because he was not sure who it was. I think the king of Tyre and Sidon and those guys were men that took the bait. Meaning that Lucifer would approach them, just like he did the first Adam, and get him to give up some things. Now he's no threat to me. But there's another Adam coming that's going to be a threat to me. So anybody that shows any potential, uh, that's the one that I'm going to go after. And I think that these men accepted it just like he offered Jesus in the temptation. All of this has been given to me. The glory of these kingdoms has been given to me. And I can give it to whoever I want to give it to. I think they did take it. I think that's why they morphed from being a king talking about being Lucifer or the enemy. Amen. And so we watch that. But when it talks about Lucifer, I mean there's just so much in there. And I know you've heard this before. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. I will ascend and be like the Most High God. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will ascend to the mountains and set in the mountains north. I will, I will, I will, I will. Now, when you look at the term, when you look at the term, the anointed cherub that covereth. Basically, it was it was his, re- now, I'm going to get into some things that could be considered a little controversial. But basically, it was his responsibility to cover. Uh, I studied studying this a little bit more today, and I got over to the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is also referred to as the throne of God. This is where God sat. This is where God spoke from was the Ark of the Covenant. But you've got these angels that were there on the Ark of the Covenant. And uh, so these are cherubims is what the scripture says. But that gives you a little insight into Lucifer's responsibility. He was to cover. One says he was to protect. He was to be a guardian of that throne. Mm. But then it talks about that he was in Eden. And this is where I may lose some of you. Amen. He was in Eden, the garden of God. Well, he was there as Lucifer. He wasn't there as Satan, the serpent. He wasn't talking about him then. He's talking about him as Lucifer, the anointed cherub that covereth. So I personally believe that Eden existed before Adam and Eve. You can believe whatever you want to believe, but this is what I believe. I believe that Lucifer was placed there. With princes, he was placed there with stars and sons of God. He was placed there to protect God's rule and God's reign in what you know as the earth. I believe that's what he was there for. It was his responsibility to make sure that that was protected. The will of God. Here's the deal. When you start talking about the throne of God, you're really talking about the will of God. The throne is where the will of the king is expressed. Praise God. Now, he was to protect the will of God. He was to cover it. You believe whatever you want to, but I think probably the third of those angels that fell with him was a part of the host that was with him when he was to cover the throne of God and to cover the will of God being done in Eden. But here's the problem. The moment that he said, I will, I will, I will, he ceases being Lucifer. And he now becomes Satan. Amen. I I, I know it's more like a Bible study, but I'll I'll get to the other stuff here in a second. He becomes Satan. Satan just simply means adversary. So now he's not the anointed cherub that covereth, but he's an adversary to God. How did he become an adversary to God? Become an adversary when he decided that his will was more important than the will of God. I want to say it again. He falls from being Lucifer. I'm going to mess with him here in just a second. He falls from being the anointed cherub that covereth. That was to cover the throne of God and to protect the will of God to be done. He falls from that to being the adversary of God. Now, this is where it's going to sting some of you. But everybody in this building has the potential of becoming a Satan. I know you won't come back tomorrow. I ain't going back to church. That man called me Satan. I didn't say you were Satan. I said that you had the potential of being a Satan. Oh, yeah. Let me talk to you great Pentecostals. Who do men say that I am? Simon Peter, thou art Christ, the son of the living God. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, my Father, which is in heaven. Man, you got it. And then Jesus said, you know what? I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm going to die. He was expressing the will of God. And old Simon Peter said, nope. That's not going to happen. Bless God, I got a sword and I'll use it. And he proved he would use it. We're not going to let you die. That don't fit into the way we think how all this kingdom stuff is supposed to come about. You're supposed to lead an army. You're supposed to drive Rome back into the sea. Don't tell us that you're going to die. I would refuse that. And Simon Peter expresses his will against the will of God. And that's when Jesus said, get thee behind me. Satan. You don't even understand the things of God. You're only thinking like a man thinks. I just told you what the will of God is, and you just pulled a Lucifer and a Satan on me by saying, no, I will. I will. Are y'all still with me here? Uh, Let's go to another Eden. Same Eden, different cast. Eat all the trees you want. Just that tree over there. Don't eat the fruit of that tree. Stay away from it. Leave it alone. The day you eat the fruit of that tree, you'll die. And here comes this serpent. And he's in this tree. And I hate to tell you, that wasn't a snake like you think in the tree. Jewish tradition teaches it was an angel of light. Paul substantiates that when he's talking to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 4. He said, we didn't come in cunning craftiness. What he just said is, we didn't come to you like the serpent did to Eve with cunning craftiness. He said, matter of fact, we didn't dilute anything. We told you the whole counsel of God. He said, I'm so convinced about that that I can stand with you with a clean conscience knowing that I preached to you the whole truth. Didn't dilute anything down. And so this serpent, he says, uh, hath God said. Anybody know that story? And all of a sudden, God's express will was this. And Adam and Eve decided, we'll do it our way. And so now self-will is exerted again. And they become enemies. God expels them from Eden. And here we are. Boy, it's quiet in here. Here we are. Hmm. Somebody told me one time, so when I get to heaven, I'm going to kick Adam and Eve both. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> here we are. And I know some of you, what in the world has this got to do with us here tonight? Well, see, if I see the scripture correct, that you got something in there called a heart. I don't mean the thing that's pumping blood. And you're to guard it according to Proverbs. Because out of it are the issues of life. And so the issue that we have is, is not only was Lucifer called to be a guardian of the throne, not only was Adam called to be a guardian of the throne, but everybody in here is called to be a guardian of the throne. Mm. Well, what do you mean? You are to be a guardian of the will of God in your life. You are to protect it. You are to guard it. You are to watch over it. And I'm going to tell you something, where we're living at right now, there's a lot of serpent spirits that are active and alive and trying to get you to do your will above the will of God. And the moment that you exalt your will above the will of God, he knows that now you're an adversary to God. And don't be surprised, I'm going to meddle, don't be surprised who becomes Satan in your life, who becomes a serpent spirit in your life. I'm a little guarded when it comes to people telling me what the will of God is for my life. Because I know some people come and try to help me understand. And they're coming out of sympathy or empathy or a relationship and all. But you've got to be careful. Uh, man, yeah, I think I will. A few years ago, I was pastor in Oklahoma. And we had this guy going to come preach for us. And they said, man, this guy's a prophet. You've got to have him come preach for you. So I scheduled him. And they, he called me a week before. And he said, I can't come. Uh, we got a death, or we got a man in the hospital, one of my head guys. He's sick. I just can't come. I've got to be there. So I said, okay. I said, when can you come? He said, well, I can come the following week. I said, okay, we'll just bump it over. We'll do that. And so he calls me the next week and says, uh, uh, you know, I, I can't come. And I said, oh, okay. Is the guy in the hospital bad? He said, oh, no. He's already home. He's fine. And I said, okay. Well, what's um, what's going on? He said, well, he said, to be honest with you, he said, God's through with you there and you've got 30 days to leave and then God's gonna ride Ichabod above the door of that church. Now here's my problem. This is a prophet. Boy, it's really quiet. <laughs> this is a prophet telling me this stuff. And so I got really excited. I've been wanting to leave Oatmongi for years. <laughs> And now God gave me a green light. But I'm married to somebody that's very practical and down to earth, and she's a good balance for me. Amen. And so I got in the car to go eat lunch, and she said, what's wrong? So I told her what happened. She said, well, I don't understand that. And I said, why? I mean, I was already looking for U-Haul and people to come and she said why I, I, I said, well, she said because you were preaching Sunday night about this revival that we're going to have and she said I thought that was the anointing of God and the people really responded to it she said so you mean to tell me that God's changed his mind in two days I hate to tell some of you but God's not schizophrenic You're not bouncing all over the place you ever met anybody like that I mean every day they get up the will of God's changed I just said, oh, I shouldn't. And so I I, I said, well, I don't know what to do. She said, well, call an elder. So I did, I called an elder. I said, hey, this is what happened. And I I still hear it. Mark, my God, are you backslid? (laughs) And my answer was, well, not today. Most days, yes, but not today. He said, let me ask you a question. I said, what? He said, why does God have to put your mail in somebody else's mailbox? He said, God can't talk to you directly? I, I don't want to create any problems for you, Pastor. I really don't. See, that's a little difference between Old Testament and New Testament. They had to have somebody speak for God. It's you in the New Testament. You're supposed to have this relationship with God where he can speak to you. And I'm going to tell you, once he shows you what his will is, you got a Bible? You have a Bible on you? Anybody got a Bible, Bible? Yeah. Now listen, I, I talked to a young man the other day, and I showed him something, he said, I showed him something scripture. He said, well, I'm going to pray and fast about it. I said, what you got to pray and fast about? Well, I'm just going to pray and fast about it. I said, there's nothing to pray and fast about. This is the will of God. He said, well, i got to find the will of God for my life. I said, I just read to you the scripture. This is the will of God for your life. It's not that confusing. Oh, it's locking up. It's not that confusing. We got... I I shouldn't... I'm sorry, you can get a refund after service tonight. I promise you that. We got prophetic junkies. They go from meeting to meeting. They follow certain people around. Just, I need a word. I need a word. I'm messing the service up. I'm sorry. I'll give your Bible back to you here in just a second. Amen. I come off at this conference first night. This young man come up to me and he said, uh, Brother Morgan, he said, uh, God spoke to me and told me this, this, and this. And then he said, he told me that you had more of that for me. Well, we're at this conference. He's going to speak it to me. I said, okay, all right. <laughs> okay. So second night, it was there. He come back up. He said, you uh, you got that word yet? I said, no, no. I don't have it. I'm get back to it. He no, I don't have it. <laughs> he said, you don't? I said, no. So the third night, conference was over. I'm coming off the platform. He catches me in the altar area, and he says, you got that word yet? I said, no, I don't and he got really irritated and i knew he's irritated and i said you know yeah i got a word for you he said what is it <clears throat> i said if god told you all that other stuff why didn't he fill in the two blanks left i said i think what you want is you want to go tell your grandkids that a certain person preacher told you something in the holy ghost and all I said, I'm not going to do that. I said, you know, you, you go talk to God. Now, that sounds lacking of compassion, all that stuff and all. I found out along the way that a lot of people want you to be God in their life. They'll come ask you for a word. They'll come talk to you about it. They'll make you God. And then when you tell them something didn't come to pass, you're their enemy. If I'm going to get something, I'm just going to go to the throne and ask God, I need to talk to you about this. I, I got some situations that are going on. And I need to hear it from the throne. I, now, I believe that prophets can affirm and confirm and they'll speak all that stuff and all. But I'm just going to tell you, I, I'm a little careful about who all is speaking to my life anymore and all this stuff and all. I'd like to hear it from God. I'd like to know what his will is. And God's will doesn't change from day to day. Somebody asked me the other day, he said, when you plan on leaving San Francisco? I said, God spoke to me to go, show me the vision to go, and I'll leave there when he tells me it's time to go. He said, well, I think you ought to do this. I said, well, I really don't care what you think I ought to do. I refuse to let you be a serpent in my life and start telling me what you think I ought to do, and then I'll swap the will of God, and then I'll be at odds with God. Guardians. Guardians, people come into your life, you really think all that's necessary? Pastor can preach something and you'll go home and Google it. I'm find a way around it. Trust me. You can find anything you want on Google. I hate upc.com I hate oneness.com I just hate.com (laughs) I want you to listen you can get a lot of people that are coming to your life I don't think some of them mean to do it I don't think it's just out of an evil deal that they're doing it I just think they come into your life some of them maybe and they'll speak something to you and they'll get you to try to go around the will of God. You, you want me to go just a little further? I'll be honest with you. I'm starting to get a little hungry. <laughs> well, Brother Morgan, how do I really find the will of God? I mean, I have this question asked all the time. A couple of questions that I have all the time is... How do I know the will of God and what does God sound like? How do I know it's him? Well, (laughs) I don't know. I just know when God speaks to me, usually it's got an exclamation point at the end of it. And when my enemy's speaking to me, it's usually got a question mark at the end of it. I get tickled, people. What does God's voice sound like? Well, apparently He hasn't spoke to you. He doesn't come in suggesting, "Hey, maybe you ought to think about this." It's just like, and anything that comes into your life, questioning. There's nothing wrong with the question. It's just questioning. How do I know? How do I know the will of God? You know, he's this guy sitting up here and he's like, man, I hope this guy preaching for us can find the will of God for me. (laughs) I'm trying to find it for myself. (laughs) Man, I hope you guys come back tomorrow. So I get to watch the scripture and I see throne. And then I always see close to the throne is the altar. The altar. I feel my help here right now. The altar. You will never know the will of God at the throne unless you come by the altar. You'll never get it. You'll never get it. Watch this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. I asked Dr. Hughes one time, I said, What do you think that means? He said, Well, that's simple. Well, yeah, for some of you it is, but I said, What, what, what do you think? He said, In the Old Testament, you put a sacrifice on the altar, you slit its throat, it stayed there, you couldn't take it off. He said, me and you, he said, I can be on the altar today, and then tomorrow I can crawl off. Then I started doing a little closer study to it, and this is basically the truest definition of it is. He's telling you what true worship really looks like you, therefore, brand, by the mercy of God, you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Whew. He's talking about the altar. And watch what he says in the next verse. Don't be conformed to this world, but rather be transformed by the of what? That you might. Somebody's saying it. Prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, some people teach there's three levels to the will of God. I don't know about that. I just think he's just saying the will of God is good, acceptable, and it's perfect. That's what I think. But the deal is, as he said that you might go prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Right? So, the only way that my mind can be renewed, that I can get away from what I think in my will and define his is I have to go by the altar. I have to die out at the altar. He has to rearrange my thinking. I have to get his mind instead of my own mind. You still with me here tonight? I have to get his mind instead of my own mind. But what's the next verse? For I say that a man should not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, for God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, i got some friends of mine that believe that uh, they believe this is totally different. And I've been telling them for years, you're wrong, but you've got to see it. And a lot of people think that when you got the Holy Ghost, what's your name? Cajun. Cajun? Cajun? Yes, sir. <laughs> Have you lived here all your life? Yes, sir. Uh, My parents are Louisiana. Are your parents here tonight? No. No? Man, you guys got the wrong last name, Brother Shock. (laughs) Cajun. Here's the deal. Now, Cajun, I done forgot now what I was trying to say. (laughs) What was I talking about? What was it? Oh. Thank you. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. So they believe that when we all got the Holy Ghost that God gave to every one of us a measure faith. But if you go down through there a little further, he says, if you're going to prophesy, prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Okay. I'm, I'm, are you all dating or married? Or? Okay, well, good. Come up there can i pick on you a little bit okay i'm gonna pick on you in a second i'm warning you right now it's gonna get ugly and brutal so i'm warning you right now now let me find another you you, you come up here yeah i hope oh you're his father-in-law oh oh, oh, oh. Oh, man this is gonna be a good one right here okay now i'm gonna be god Okay? First of all, a man should not prophesy. He should not think himself more highly than he ought to think. God's dealt to every man the measure of faith. If you're going to prophesy, prophesy according to the proportion of faith. It's the same terminology. Mm-hmm. Meaning that you can only say and speak what God told you to say. Okay? That's it. Faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the... So if he says he's given you a measure of faith, that means he spoke this into my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm not to go beyond it. So let's, boy, this is going to be a good one here. All right. So I'm going to be God, and I want you to go seven steps and stop. Okay. And I want you to go three steps and stop. All right. Now, in our North American culture, he's more successful than you are. Would you agree? He's more successful than you are. But the way God views it, it's not about that. Success is about obedience. If I just do what God told me to do, I'm successful. Okay? So he told you, go three steps and stop, and you did that. You're you're successful. Now, he went seven steps. I hope this will work. (laughs) That's your dad? Yes, sir. You love him? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, he's not your dad tonight. Okay? Now, you see you're married, and you start saying to him, what's wrong with you? you only went three steps and stopped. Look, my dad went seven steps. Are you lazy? Do you lack some drive and ambition? I hope my mom was not right about you. And so she starts putting a lot of pressure on you. Now, if you don't think this can happen, just go back and resurrect Adam and talk to him. (laughs) I think this may be where it gets into usurping authority. So she starts putting all this pressure on you, and you want to be successful in her eyes. So guess what happens? You start thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to think, and that comes out of pride. And so you get to figuring this out. Well, I know there's four more steps. Man, it's really quiet. I know there's four more steps. But the moment you take that fourth step, guess what you just did? You just did the same thing Lucifer did. I don't like where God placed me. I don't like this ministry. I don't like the confinement of this. I will go further. I will exalt. I will. I will. I will. I will. I know what the next step is. I know. Okay. You better go sit down. I'm going to work on him. You better go sit down. I'm going to work on him too. I, I hope this is okay. Let me tell you something. I want everybody to hear what I'm about to tell you. Ministry, it doesn't matter what 's pulpit, church, ministry's ministry, okay? And God taught me a long time ago that ministry's like being a chess piece on a chess board, okay? Now, culture's going to teach you that every move has to be forward. People are going to tell you, you've got to move forward. I've heard people make the statement to me, I will never make a lateral move. And the moment they say that to me, I'm like, boy, you're already off on the wrong track. I didn't know you were the one to determine which way you got moved. Mm. <clears throat> so, not ever moves forward on a chessboard, is it? Some are this way. Right? Right? (laughs) I'm glad you got a good spirit. Oh, wait a minute. He can even move you this way. And she's gonna say, What? What's going on here? I'm not okay. And then people around you, what what what's wrong? What happened? I mean, I don't know. Just doing what God told me. Oh, There's one more move and you're not going to like this one. Trust me, you're not going to like it. He can sacrifice you for a bigger move. Master chess player sacrifices pieces for a better move. Now, I know I got some of you, I don't believe that. Well, no, of course, your North American culture tells you not to believe that. But how about you resurrect John the Baptist and ask him if that can't happen? you got a great spirit. I'm not done with you yet. You ready? Let's go. Let's go. This is the altar. When I start talking about altars, most Pentecostals think about prayer. But the altar's not about prayer. Uh-oh. See, you can pray and not have an altar. The altar is a place of death. The altar is where I beseech you, therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice. So Cajun goes to the altar. He dies. The greatest battle any of us has just hear me is in the prayer that Jesus said if it's possible let this cup pass from me but nonetheless see this is where Jesus died Jesus didn't die on the cross Jesus died in the garden but nonetheless not my will But thy will be done. And the hardest prayer that you'll ever pray daily is that prayer right there. Now I can live my life and I can conduct my ministry and I can do all this stuff void of the altar. I'll do it the way I think it ought to be done. I'll run my life. I'll run my family. I'll run whatever I'm in charge of. I'll run it the way that I think it ought to be run. I'm going to tell you something, you're going to get self-willed and you're going to find yourself as an adversary to God. The greatest thing the apostolics can do in 2022 is go back and rebuild the altar and for us to go find that altar and for us to start dying out to the way we think it ought to be done. Praise God. I'll, I'll close with this. I'll close with this. Ah, boy. See, prophetic, prophetic. You brought you. Your pastor goes into his office. And I know he's a man of prayer. He goes into his office and he starts praying. And there's a veil. Boy, I don't. How long have I been going, seriously? You're fine. Preach. Uh, there, there's a veil. David went six paces. He stops. He offers a sacrifice of fatling and oxen. He's got on a linen Ephod. The high priest had six points that he had to visit. The sixth position was standing before the veil. The veil is his flesh. Okay? Six is the number of man. Meaning you can only go so far, you can only go so far in your humanity, that's it. It's also amazing to me that from the time that he comes out through the gate first to the altar and all that stuff, the outer court deals with the flesh, you with me? Mm -hmm. The holy place deals with the emotional, it's the emotional arena of man, but all of that's in the flesh in the flesh that's where most Pentecostals live they live on those two levels either in the flesh and that's why that the altar was the largest piece of furniture in the tabernacle plan because that's where your flesh has to die but a lot of times we get in church we start living for God and we only get into an emotional level now I'm not you got you're a great musician you got great music here this is not an attack against it but music is soulish And God chose it. You come before His presence with singing. But God never intended for us to stop in that soulish arena. There's another dimension. I call it the seventh step. But what's blocking is the flesh. Oh, I wish I'd have preached this instead of this other stuff. Amen. It's the flesh, the flesh. That's your biggest enemy. It's not the devil, it's not the prince of Hope. we Where am I at, It's that that's not, that's, that's not the prince of this. The biggest battle you've got, you want me to show you the biggest devil you'll ever face? Get that mirror out of your purse and look at it. In the mirror in the morning, look at that person in the mirror and say, I'm, I'm gonna beat you today. And if I can beat you today, I can handle anything that's coming my way. You're my problem not the person sitting next to you not the devil devil didn't make you do anything all right sit down sit down sit down i i i know okay so here's the deal so seventh step i talked to a rabbi one time he told me said i said how do they get through the veil you know i was trying to impress this rabbi He was giving us a tour of a of a tabernacle replica and I was trying to impress him old you know, Pentecostal preacher so I asked him about the rope is there any record of the priest going in there unclean God killing him and dragging him out by the rope and they, he said that's Gentile mythology
2: mm-hmm.
1: I said no the rope he said show me the rope in the scripture right. Right. I said well I don't remember reading about it no <laughs> I've heard a preached about a lot but I don't ever remember reading about it he said because it's not in there I said, okay, if he got in there unclean, how did they get him out? He said, he couldn't get in unclean. I said, what? He said, no. He said, you tell me how he got in there. I said, well, he just walked. He said, show me an opening in the veil. What? I'm not making this a doctrine. I said, what do you mean? He said, there's no opening. That's why they were, oh, my God, the veil's rent. I said, well, how did he get in there? He said he was translated through the veil. He said, doesn't your Bible in Hebrew say the veil is the flesh? Yes. Now, I got some of you looking at me like, oh, my God, brother. Okay. Old timers. You've preached that all of your life. Except you said it like this. You need to pray through. (laughs) Oh, boy. That was the fix-all. We're we're having marital problems. You need to pray through. We're having financial problems. You need to pray through. I grew up in a church where every Friday night men's prayer meeting, they'd put a chair right up there in front of the pulpit, and they'd have you come sit in that chair until you prayed through. I I, I don't want to lose you here. Serious deal. So you're on this side of the veil, and I used to think, man, this rapture deal, it's. We need to figure something out here, God. Can we not have a little trial run every once in a while? (laughs) You don't think like that? I'd really like to know I'm ready. So could we have a few practice runs at this? And then the Lord dealt with me and said, oh, you, you can do that every day of your life.
2: Hmm. What?
1: Yeah, you can have a little pre-rapture every day of your life. Okay, explain that one to me. Okay, rapture, you transcend past your flesh, you go from time into eternity. You never come back, is that right? I said, yeah. He said, every day you pray through your flesh and you get over here in the holies of holies, right. you've entered the eternal realm. So, yeah. you're not going to like this one if something's keeping you from breaking through now it's probably going to keep you from breaking through then
2: Uh-oh.
1: <laughs> so don't pet it you need to look at it and say oh no I'm going to break through matter of fact it would be great if everybody in this building had a Holy Ghost breakthrough tonight hey. Hey. Let me I'm right about done. So you pastor, he's praying up there in his office where he prays, and all of a sudden he goes past the veil.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: See, the veil is the eternal, and so God lets you step over here, and he says, Pastor, I'm going to show you the church's tomorrows, because we're in eternal realm, not time. I want to show you these things. This is how the prophetic works see that you see what it looks like down the road you see what it looks like five years from now you see what this looks like this is what i want to show you now he'd like to stay there but he can't and so he has to come back into reality watch me i don't i'm not dragging you around i'm not disrespecting you and then he walks up here and he stands in the pulpit And he says, thus saith the Lord, this is what God has shown me. This is where we're going. This is the direction that God wants to go in. Now you've got to make up your mind right there. (laughs) Do I want to be a protector? Do I want to guard the will of God in this church? Or am I going to let some carnal somebody get to me and say, You really think we can do that? You really think we can have that kind of revival? Do you really think we can pay for that? Do you really think that we could grow like that? Do you, you really think we could do that? I know we had tongues of interpretation, but you know, people get in the flesh when they give tongues of interpretation and they miss it every once in a while. I'm telling, I'm talking to some of you right now in the Holy Ghost. And the next thing you know, you got somebody questioning the will of God for the church and you're sitting there listening to it. your wife here? Yes. Where's she at? In the
0: green. Oh.
1: Okay. You better sit right here just a second. (laughs) Look, you don't have to come back tomorrow. Well, yeah, you do too. (laughs) He wants you you back tomorrow. Okay. Tammy. Yes, yes, sir. Here's the deal. (laughs) People, they get to McDonald's. You like McDonald's? Yeah. Yeah. We kind of look like we like McDonald's, don't we?
2: <laughs> yes, we do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think I like Burger King a little better, yeah. yeah okay. I really like Chick-fil-A.
2: Yeah, Yeah. Me too.
1: yeah. They're going to serve that to Mary Supper with the lamb. So you're sitting at McDonald's, okay? And there's a little group with you. Or even out there in your beautiful, beautiful room out there. You design. Great job. You're hired. You're hired. And so they're all sitting there, and somebody goes, Have you noticed we take a lot of offerings around here lately? Now, here's the deal I've been doing this kind of stuff, be talking to somebody and using them, and then I look down I realize, Oh my God, they're the one. I hope I miss it right here, you hear me? (laughs) And then, yeah, I mean, we take offerings all the time. He's talking about raising money and talking about doing this. I mean, it's always we're going to sacrifice, we're going to do this. I mean, it's just money, money, money. But have you ever noticed that after every offering, the pastor's wife comes in? And she's got on a brand-new pair of shoes. Now, I'm not saying anything. But I this, you know, I mean, this is how it looks. Okay? This is how it goes. Now, you come to church after somebody said that. And so you're sitting over here worshiping, and then all of a sudden, well, we just took another offering. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) You'll never buy another new pair of shoes your whole life. He's he's, he's thanking me for this sermon. I can tell you that right now. (laughs) And now it's in your brain. They they must not be handling God's money right, and, and I, I just wonder what. I just wonder what's really going on, and, and you know, I mean, you know, this deal we're talking about—that's that's a lot of money, and and you know, we 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 could just do a lot of, you know, and I mean, boy, I'm telling you, it's just—it never lets up around here. Some of you look like a deer in the headlights right now. Oh no. And then that's all it takes. And now you're at odds with the will of God. See, you made your judgment void of the altar. But if you'd go to the same altar he went to, and you got in there in the same place that he got into, God would start whispering and confirming in your ear, I'm fixing to do something great with this church right here. I'm fixing to establish a strong apostolic hub that's going to impact this entire area of America. That's the will of God. Now you may say, oh, we just want to be a good UPC church and fit in and do it. Ah, no, no. You got the wrong guy for that. Just remain standing. I had a man tell me, and I really feel to tell you this. Had a man tell me about a vision that he had in a time of fasting. Seeing this big field. He seen this combine. And this combine was massive. He said, Brother Morgan, you can't imagine how big that combine was. Massive. And he said, the angel of the Lord was with me in the vision. He told me to climb up in the driver's seat. He said, so I climbed up in the driver's seat. So the angel Lord was standing next to him and said, what do you notice? He said, Brother Morgan, I got to looking around. There was no steering wheel. No steering wheel. He said, so I said, there's no steering wheel. And the angel Lord responded back to him and said, that's right. The harvest of the end time will not be directed or guided by man. It can only be guided and directed by the Holy Ghost. All right. yes. So that's why the church has got to get to the throne, go by the altar, get to the throne, let the king tell you what he's going to do. And if the king tells you what he's going to do, he's going to give you kingdom finances. He's going to give you everything that you need to accomplish his will. I'm prophesying to this church right now. There's a unique anointing on this congregation right now. And God's got a design and God's got a plan to take you to a greater dimension of revival and harvest. Woo! Hallelujah! I don't see it. Why don't you come to the altar? Maybe by the time you get through at the altar, you'll be standing at the throne where the king says, This is my word. Woo! Well, I don't think I've ever done this. I need you to pick me out three men right now in your church that are full of faith. Just pick, pick, pick me three. Yeah, yeah. That would have been the three I'd have picked. Okay, I want you two to line up side by side. I want you to go stand right in behind them. Are you guys ready? You're not going to like what I'm about to do. I'm getting ready to hand you the mic, and when you get through, it's going to come to you. And when you get through, it's going to come to you. And you guys are going to echo what he's been prophesying and what God's been saying around here. Does that make sense? Are you ready?
2: Oh Lord Jesus. Our pastor's been talking about and been preaching and been teaching
3: us that there's going to be a great revival. And I believe it. I believe it. I believe that we're going to have a new sanctuary and I'm going to see 1,400, 1,500. So many that we don't have room. I believe it. I believe it as our pastor's taught it. I believe it. I receive it. Mm.
2: Tara Hope.
3: Belongs to new life. Yes. We're going to
1: reach yes. Terra Hope. We're going to reach people that we never thought we could reach. We're going to reach people that have left, that are prodigals, that are going to come back.
3: I believe it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you. Hallelujah. The harvest is not limited to just this city. The harvest that we're looking for is worldwide. Our resources and everything are not just staying here. It's going there. It's going there. God doesn't want to just reach Terre Haute and Vigo County, and He doesn't want this church just to think Terre Haute and Vigo County. He wants us to think the world. It's His, and He's given it to us. and we stand right now in the promises of our God our God reigns over every sickness and disease our God reigns nobody is bigger than God your families your friends your neighbors we call out right now in the name of Jesus let there be a mighty revival and a host of angels standing around about us in Jesus name I release every finance I release every job opportunity I release faith right now in Jesus holy name I pray right now for roots and foundation and stability, Lord. Right now we are always abounding in the work of God. I pray right now for every prodigal and every wayward child and every husband that's lost and every wife that's lost and every cousin and aunt and nephew. I pray right now Lord bring them back to the house. I pray let there be a mighty doubling and a tripling Lord. Let there be it in Jesus name so that we have no room to contain it. I pray right now in Jesus name not only for our city but for our county and let this be a revival for our stage and let there be a regional revival and let there be a global revival. And I pray right now, Lord Jesus, transform our minds. Help us, Lord. We confess that our flesh is so inhibiting Lord but let there be true death to our flesh Lord so that we can walk after the spirit because we know we cannot manufacture this revival Lord we planted thousands upon thousands of seeds we've watered it but only you can give the increase so we pray right now Lord you are the Lord of the harvest use us as laborers in your vineyard in your field I pray right now Lord for everyone let there be a death in us Lord to our own ambitions let there be death in us, Lord, to our own will, Lord God, and our own thinking, Lord Jesus, and remove that from us, Lord, so that we can get past the veil of our own inhibitions, Lord, and our own ideas, Lord, and that there spring up a mighty revival, Lord Jesus. And if you have the Holy Ghost out of your mouth, just speak it out of your mouth. And if you feel the Lord moving through you, just move in the unction of the Spirit. Because the Lord is in this place. He'll heal you and deliver you where you stand. Yes. He'll restore you where you are.